What's going on everybody? We got Jason King this week. Super excited here because it is John's best friend from high school. So Jason gives us a little bit of dirt on John. We have a great amount of laughs and we also learn a crap ton about social awareness. Gentlemen, welcome to the Purpose Infused Brotherhood. The podcast where men come to build, battle, and bond together and be the best versions of themselves. If you're a man who's ever felt out of alignment with his purpose, then you're in the right place to reignite the fire and infuse male purpose into your life every single day. And now your hosts, John Doe and Clay Smeltzer. What is going on, listeners? Super excited for today on the Purpose Infused Brotherhood podcast. We got Jason King here. We're going to be talking about social awareness, and he's going to come at it from a whole bunch of different angles. We're going to have some great discussions. I'm super excited to talk about this because as purpose fighters and creating that meaning and fire in our lives, social awareness and living with that is super important. So super excited to talk about this. This also blends in with last week when we talked about uh, self-awareness. So social awareness is also a key ingredient. Awareness of inner self, awareness of external self, super important. So we're going to take the next 30, 45 minutes to go through that with Jason. At the end, he's going to give you the top three tools that he suggests to be more socially aware. So John, what's up, my brother? Super excited to be here with you and Jason. Say what's up and let listeners know about Jason. And, you know, I also am very super excited to be here. And, you know, before I even read this bio, I got to say, Besides all the great stuff that's in this bio, Jason's been one of my best friends for over 30 years. We went to high school together. Nice. Um, you know, we played sports all through high school together. We, man, we lived life together. So it, it's been, it's been awesome, you know. Um, nice. so, so we're going to see some really good stuff in here tonight. Then. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. plausible for oh, sure. It's right. plausible. And, but uh, man, Jason King has served as an elder at uh, New Life Christian Center here in Salina. Um, since 2002, he was a youth pastor back in 97. He received his bachelor's in secondary education at Bowling Green State University, taught math, uh, high school math for seven years there you go. before moving into full-time ministry. And in 2009, he was elected to serve as Salina City Council president and currently on his fourth term. He's also coached wrestling for the past 26 years and currently the varsity assistant coach. He married his high school sweetheart, which I'll have to say, she is a sweetheart. I've known her since high school. And, uh, you know, they've been blessed to have four kids. And, you know, he's all about helping the community and, and spreading greatness everywhere. So, Jason, we'd love to have you come in here and share with our guests, our listeners. Awesome. Great to be here, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, what I share uh, will be uh, helpful to anybody listening. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It will. It definitely Share, share one of the things that we do, uh, Jason, is with the Brotherhood. We always start off with a win for the week. So it will be a great win for the week because I don't think men celebrate enough and we need to. So right. celebrate a good win for the week for you. Uh, good win for the week. So um, like just like a suggestion or something like that or no, just whatever win. What's a, what, what went on something in your life? Something good that happened. Good something win, something good that happened. Something good. That, <laughs> that's a great. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I, I just uh, – Football season's back in, and to me, 
there's nothing um, quite like the fall when football, you hear all the cicadas going and you now you're picking corn and eating fresh tomatoes and it's Friday night and the lights are on the uh. stadium and uh, the smell of popcorn. I tell you what, men were meant to go to war. <laughs> First in the Bible yes. it says at the time of year when kings went to war, and I'm thinking we still do that. It's called yeah. football it's in called the football. fall. Yeah. So. For me, it's great to be back in the season. I can't wait for my house State Buckeyes. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> <Pass, laughs> I knew it was coming. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. You Ohio people. Uh, I hang 40 on. So, anyways. Uh, so, well, I love the football season. It's just a man, yeah, man yeah. sport. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Did you play football, Jason? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. John, did you play football, too? absolutely nice i love man listen i tell you what i loved football i loved playing it um it was the and one of the things and and as john you were a high school wrestling coach jason you're a high school wrestling coach i was a high school baseball coach i think one of the things that that i'd like to kind of talk about is utilize that a little bit for the social awareness as we're talking because you know in athletics and sports are so important to develop those skills. If I didn't have athletics, if I didn't have the football field, if I didn't have the baseball field, man, I'd be a totally different person. And it yeah. just taught you some of those different things. Um, and, and I tell you what, like football, I love, like I haven't hit somebody like I love football for one reason. I could hit somebody as hard as I could and not get in trouble for it. Right. <laughs> That's why I loved it. Right. And, and it was great. So I do want to talk about that. So let's, let's kind of dive into that. Jason is, what are some of those things as a coach, as a player, um, did you utilize for that social awareness? Because there's a lot of social stuff that goes on there. And yeah. especially centered around like, because I think when, to me, when I say social awareness, a lot of time I think about the teams that we have or the groups that we have, like right. the associations we have in our lives, which is, which is a team. So let's, whatever comes up to my, your mind in that. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I mean, sports, um, besides it being a good out for me and, and actually just competing, which I'm a very competitive person, doesn't matter if it's a board game. John knows some epic high school risk games that we had where. Oh, that game was awesome. Oh, dude, there were fist fights. Me and my brother Rick would get fist <laughs> fights and stuff and John would egg it on. It was <laughs> I can't see John doing that. I got to stop real quick. Did you guys play slap? You know what card game that is slap at all? No, no. Okay, so when you get like anytime, it's like kind of like war, but anytime like so when eight would be laid down, if the next person laid an eight down, you could slap it and get the whole pile. Oh no, like, it, so we would have like groups around a table and we would literally slap the shit and then slap the shit out of each other, you know, to get it. It was great. So, anyways, it was uh, not right. Great right. high school memory. So yeah, we you talk about competitive. So okay. awesome. Love competition. Think it's great. Um, learning how to, because I, I think uh, as a wrestling coach, I think it's important that you learn how to win with class and lose with dignity. Yeah. It's what, something that I preach all the time to our wrestlers. Everybody's going to lose. Uh, I, I know one guy, Kale Sanderson made it all the way through his college years and not, he did not take a loss, but when he got on the world stage, he did, but everybody's going to take a loss here and there. Right. And you got to learn how to lose with dignity and go. And, and what I love about wrestling is you go over and you shake the guy's hand. you be a man about it. You know, yeah. um, football being the team sport and, and everybody doing their job, yeah. you do your job. I can't as a safety do the job of the lineman or the linebacker. Um, I was a receiver. I, I, I'm not the quarterback, you know, I don't get to call the play. So 
Um, I love the team camaraderie, the building up together, the going to war together. In college, I played rugby at Bowling Green. And that one, we bled together. I mean, it was amazing the brotherhood that formed about, you know, 15 guys against another 15 guys just streaking through Central Park. I remember something. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> easy on that. <laughs> That's a true story, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> but we, I mean, all the sports that I was a part of taught me so many things about being disciplined. I mean, bodily discipline, learning how to overcome, uh, learning really just how to do the right things as well. I didn't always do the right things in high school and stuff. Uh, got over that stuff. Uh, the few times that John remember, we went to a Cincinnati game and took, came back at like three in the morning. And we were late for two-day practice the next day. Ooh. And we got – so we picked up a name from that, the Cincinnati Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Let us live it down. Nice. Uh, so, But we learned all those those great lessons about uh, team competition and stuff. And I, to me, that's again, it's something that's very important. I don't think sports should be the most important thing mm-hmm. in a person's life. But to me, it's up there in the top five. You know, I obviously God and families, there's things that are more important. But – it taught me some of the greatest lessons I ever learned. And that's why I stayed with coaching because I know that the opportunity that I get to help fashion and shape, especially young men, yes. very much. We live in a society that's emasculated young yep. men. We can't be men anymore. No one wants to hunt and fish or do anything manly, but they just want to play video games and be all sissified. And I, I I'm not all about I that. I love it. I ah. think true authentic men and uh, that's something that really, you know, God's put in my heart to, 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 to be to other people and yeah. to challenge young men. So one of the things I do as a coach, as a wrestling coach, is every Tuesday we have Team Talk Tuesday. We go into a class and for like 20, 30 minutes, and I give them some kind of lesson on leadership or grinding it out or whatever. And I always try to bring some kind of biblical scripture and being a pastor, I do that. And just try to encourage them, listen, you know, I'm not just here to make you a better wrestler with technique. Yep. You're here to be a better man a better student, a better son, a better brother, a better grandson, a better nephew, cousin, whatever roles that you are, that you're going to be better in every aspect of your life. And when you get done and you're out of high school and you're not wrestling anymore, these lessons will follow you and lead you through the rest mm-hmm. of your life. I think it's so important. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, our, our goal was we took over a program that the first day we went in, we asked them, what do you think about Kennerdale baseball? Like, well, we lose. We're losers. I'm like, well, that's the last time you're ever going to say that shit again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. Like, yeah. uh, what? And it, that was really their mentality to go in. And that's what everybody in the in around our surrounding area said. Like, oh, Kennerdale, that's an easy win. But the mentality was, I'm going to lose. And that's like, no, no, no. That's not a champion's mentality. That's uh-huh. what we want to build. That's not. That's not. And the first thing I said, listen, we are here to help you become the best men. That you, we're here to help you turn become bo- from boys to men. That's what we're here to do. And then yep. we're going to teach you baseball. So that came first. And I think one of those things when we look at social awareness and we look at our surroundings outside, because I think social awareness is more of that outside and and that external. Internal would be more of that self-awareness and so forth. But when we look at this, there's things that go on as a team player, like every every position on the baseball field. It, it, it is an individual, but yet you're at the team. Yeah, so right. you have to do your best, but then you also have to do what's right for the team. You yes. know, do what's right for you, but do what's right for the team. And it's this, this dichotomy of awesomeness when we get it right. But having that mentality and that thought process say, hey, 
I'm filling my role. I'm doing, I'm going to hold the line on my role. Right. So that for the greater of the good. That's great. Yep. I can't be the greater of the good unless I'm great for myself. Yep. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we teach. And I love that. I actually, and Sarge, I'm going to jump in here and there'd be a question, but I want to go back to what you said about the demasculine, de, I can't even say the word, demasculinization Masculated, yeah. <laughs> of, of today's men, not only adults, but kids too, like all that stuff. So let's jump into that because there's a lot of stuff going around, you know, about that. Um, you hear the words toxic masculinity. I think it's a bullshit term. Um, yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive into that and whatever questions come up. Cause I think that's great because that's where socially, that's where we're at. Our kids are seeing the social, they're seeing on TikTok, social media, uh, in their schools. I'm a teacher. It's in the schools. Um, it's, it's in our media. It's in all these different things. They see it in society. Um, they see it at home, they see it everywhere. So I think that's a big part and men feel it too, but like, there's a whole big thing, you know, yeah, like totally. we're just, yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive into that. So John, sure. any question come up that you, that is jumping out of your brain that you want to ask Jason? I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm ready to let him rip on it. Jason, like I said, man, he is, he is, as you can tell, he has been a very good guiding light for me over the last, these 30 years. You know what I mean? He's, uh, he's definitely been one that I've turned to quite frequently for, for knowledge and for, for guidance and, and, and help shaping, you know, when I was coaching, you know what I mean? And he's done a great job. So I'd love to hear his breakdown. Yeah. Let it rip, Jay. Yeah, let it rip. It's obviously a problem in our culture um, and different cultures are experiencing this at a higher level. Um, the way that the family was designed was for there to be a father and mother. And I understand things happen, divorce, um, deaths happen, et cetera. But in the perfect world, every child should grow up with a loving father and mother. And I think what we've also done, we put such a um, such a, a uh, priority on a father just providing a roof overhead and clothes for your back. Oh. I teach uh, boys about becoming men, and I teach men in our church uh, and in the community about being men. I talk about the four piece. Yes, you got, you got to be a provider and protector. That goes without saying, you know, everybody walks in my house. And they try to assault my wife, my kids. It's on like Donkey Kong, man. I, yeah, love it. I'm not I'm not asking questions. I, I'll ask questions later when they're laying on the floor. Right. I got to be a provider. I got to be protected. But part of providing is you provide a loving environment. I think so many men miss this. I have four or three sons, I have four kids, three sons and a daughter. And my sons are masculine men. They love to fish. They hunt. They play sports. You know, uh, I, 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 I obviously they wanted to do those things, but they saw their dad doing it. I modeled mm -hmm. that. I modeled loving their mother. Yeah. Um, the, the best way I can love my kids is by exclusively and openly loving my wife, their mom. And when they see it, they're very secure. My daughter, she's 16. And a lot of people, you know, I've got three teenagers. I got 21 year old and three teenagers right now. So, um, <laughs> and everybody always says, oh, the teenagers, oh my God, you must be dreading it. We've loved it. Yeah. We've loved it because we did a good job when they were younger of yeah. teaching discipline. They're going to honor father and mother, all this kind of thing. So um, my daughter is super secure. She's not going out trying to find love in some teenage boy's arms. She's not, so many girls are, they have daddy issues. I see this all the time and counseling mm -hmm. and it breaks my heart because if a dad would just love 
their daughters, especially, they wouldn't be chasing after some teenage knucklehead that's yeah. going to treat her bad, you know? So she's got even no interest in dating right now. I think she, she's secure. She's very, um, John knows, um, she, she's, uh, just knows who she is and, yes. and she's just driven by what, what God has in front of her life. Um, but we go back to why the society is the way it is because the nuclear family has broken down, mm-hmm. we have broken down. And it can be as simple as this. Moms and dads are spending too much time in front of a glowing screen every night for three hours watching TV and ignoring our kids. Yep. The average child gets one minute of quality time with their parents a day. That's horrible. How can we send them off to a public school that gives them six or seven hours of shaping? And then we spend one minute average of quality time. I know that's that's not everybody, but there's some people that don't spend any quality time with their kids at all. And so I've learned, I take my my sons out one-on-one. We go do something, you know, manly. We go to the shooting range. We go do something, right? My daughter, not just last week, she, I could tell she needed some dad time. So I took her out on a date and went out to a restaurant by the lake. And, and I just asked her what's going on. How's life? This is being intentional. And that's a word that I use a lot. Intentional discipleship, intentional training, intentional parenting. And we just don't see that these days Correct. because of the breakdown. I'm not just going to throw something out there. It's going to get me in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Hear me out. Hear me out. I believe that the feminist movement started with great ideals. Should a woman get paid the same that a man does for doing the same job? Heck yes. I mean, that's, there's no question about that, that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. What's happened is, and many of these movements take it too far. And so now it's gone to the point where women are being encouraged. You don't need a man in your life. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much breaking down in the nuclear family now. And we got a lot of kids born out of wedlock and also the family has been under attack for the last couple of generations and we're reaping the negative rewards of that right and so we see that especially like even the black culture where uh 70 some percent of children do not grow up with both parents Mm -hmm. in the home and that's part of the reason why there's higher rates of crime and incarceration that's not racist to say that that's just a a Mm -hmm. stated fact it goes back to the fathers are the ones who like when i grew up if my mom tried disciplining me, I ham hauled, whatever. She said, <laughs> your dad gets home. No, 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 mom. You whack. Go ahead. I mean, John knows. <laughs> um, my dad came. Sure. <laughs> it was it was on, right? There's a a a settling of the chaos that a, a fatherly spirit brings. Correct. Absolutely. And when you emasculate manhood and you say that we can't be men anymore and we let our boys play with dolls and all this kind of stuff. We're taking away what's naturally supposed to be manhood. So I, yeah. my sons, I make them read a book uh, by uh, Jonathan Eldridge, yep. uh, Wild, Wild at, at Heart. Wild at Heart. They, by, I, it's mandatory reading for my sons. They have every, to read. Every we read it in our reading. brotherhood group, Jay. It was one of our book so studies. My groups. son, that's one. That's going to be one of the things. You're going to have to read it. And I, my oldest son has reread it like three or four times yeah. now. So it's because it's good. And I had my wife read it too because like you, you want to understand your boys more. This is how we were made. <laughs> yeah. It we're is. supposed to go to war. <laughs> we're supposed to do these things. Supposed, supposed to throw, to- fight, hit stuff. Like we're supposed to like we're supposed to do those things. Yeah. Shoot things. That's right. So yeah. so that again, it goes back to the to the negative aspect of taking the feminist movement too far. Yeah. Which then subjects men you by you can get to the top of the mountain by two ways. By climbing the mountain or by you can actually stand on other people and push them down. You can get to the top of the heap. And, I, and men are being suppressed, pushed down, told not yep. they can't talk anymore. You've you've run the roost too long. 
my boys aren't learning that. Yeah. I'm talk- they're not. They're going to be authentic. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. And and that's where for the brotherhood, we always talk about ownership, extreme ownership. I don't know if you've read that by Jocko Willing. Awesome. Like that's what we're all about. It's all about extreme ownership. It's all about personal responsibility. It's you, it's your life. You, you own it. You got to do it. And, and for me, like me, my purpose is to own my shit, love my story and live with purpose and help other people do those things. That's what I'm teaching my kids. Yeah. And, and that's where it's like, it's being the example as a, as an educator myself, I see this all the time, you know, when there's different things, you know, the, either the father's not there, the father was pushed out. I'm a person, I've been divorced twice. Uh, I'm married three times. Uh, my first, my, our middle daughters to my first wife, my sons to my second wife. And then Haley is to my wife's ex-husband. So we go through all this. So we have a blended family. Yeah. Now you would, you would have had never known that we are a blended family if I just didn't tell you that. But Correct. that's what we wanted to create. Um, and that that's important to us because the family. We sit down at the table, we eat dinner, we don't put yeah. our phones, we just put the shit away. Like, right. like that's that's our time to talk and have those conversations. And what what's so nice to be in a relationship in a marriage like I am now versus what it was before is that our kids see two people who own themselves. And I like, I love my relationship with my wife because she doesn't need me and I don't need her, but we just love being together Absolutely. and we show that love for each other. And I think that's very important. It's not, we are a hundred percent, a hundred percent in our relationship. It's not 50, 50. It's not that it's a hundred percent, hundred percent. And our kids see that and our kids see like, Hey, this is what I want out of my girls say, Hey, this is what I want out of a man. My son says, Hey, this is what I want out of woman, you know, and so forth. And I think that's important because it is that breakdown. It is that that pile up of saying, Hey, like, man, you were bad and you've done this for so long and you've whatever oppressed, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Like, listen, we've done a lot of fucking good shit too. And the women have done a lot of good shit too. And that's where we need to come together and say, Hey, great. All this stuff in the past. Okay. Stuff has happened. It sucked. Yep. We're yep. here now. We have the future. That's what the fuck we can do. So let's, sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ah. <laughs> but that's what we can handle. That's what we have control of. And, and what I, what I love seeing, what I love seeing is men like John, men like David, men like Toby, men like LA, men like Steve that are in our brotherhood who are coming together to have the conversations we need to be having yes. to talk about the things we need to be talking about. And then to say, when you own yourself and you you build that meaning with your life and 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 reveal that meaning and say, hey, my life has meaning. It has importance. It had and I have that. You get that fire back in your life, and you're like, no, I'm going to hold this line. I'm holding this line, and no matter what, I ain't moving. And this is what we're going to do. And this is how. And that shows other our boys, like this is how men actually act because. I think too, and let me let me know what your opinions and, and John too jump in here too is is is. Men have to be different these days because the world is different. It is. In in the past, back past 1900, we could be like, hey, I'm going to go kill some shit and I'm going to go like provide, protect, was go kill stuff and beat anybody up that came to try to take your stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. whereas, hey, we are the ones that made sure that people survived. Now, as it moved into what we're in today in a society that we're in today, we can still have those qualities those, t- those, those, I call it the velvet covered brick, like John Maxwell says. We can have that. Yep. But 
it, it's not the same as that. So how does that show up? We that's but that's why we have this conversation. So John, what do you got? Well, you know, and I think a lot of this falls into like we've talked about before with like you know Andy Frisella talked about it very well when he talks about you know there needs to be a cultural revolution. You know what I mean? Like that's what's going to fix things. You know what I mean? Yes, things were bad. Things have been wrong and people have done wrong things, but you can, you just got to move forward. And until you come together, there is no moving Correct. forward. You know what I mean? Yep. You, you just can't stand on the other side and just, like I said, throwing bricks and stones. And, and <laughs> you know what I mean, it, it's in the past. You got to let shit go and move forward. You know what I mean? And, and uh, that's one big area that I feel needs to be addressed on a broader scale. I mean, yeah. heck, even as far as right now with the, uh, um, the, the student loan forgiveness stuff that is, you know, Mm -hmm. going to just be cause havoc for sure. And, you know, I mean, you got people now up in arms on both sides, you know, like, oh, well, we should have had this and, oh, you shouldn't have got that. And, you know, I paid off mine. You didn't pay off yours. You suck. You know what I mean? And so oh, ownership. Know, and, and now ownership. I'm paying to, for it. To you me, know? it comes and, back to ownership. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, and also let's, let's, let's go to the real root of that problem is I took two years of, I paid for two years of classes that I just took in high school, but now I paid $3,000 for it. I have a, I had to be, to become a teacher, I had to take a, pay $3,000 for a tennis and badminton class so I could get a degree. Why did I need that class to become a teacher? I didn't. College and universities is a business. When I say that people are like, what? And I'm like, it's a business. Well, They're yeah. in there. We we're just looking for like, and I'm sure you run into this too, Jason, if your kids went to college and stuff like now, like we're looking for Haley because she's graduating this year. And it's like, they're requiring people to stay on campus for two years now. Yeah. It's more Why? Money. Because it's more money. I'm like, you it's can't stay here. Like it's, it's, it's like, and that's what people don't understand. In this well, thing. and that was, you know, Patrick, Bet David made a big comment about it was, you know, the national inflation rate since like the eighties is like 214%. Yeah. The college inflation rate is 2,246%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a great I, business model. I wish I would have thought of it. Right. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, and, and I love like I love this conversation because it needs it needs to happen. These are the conversation needs that needs to go. Um, how about let, let's jump into switch gears a little bit here too? Because I, I want to jump in and and you have um uh your background is in it. Well, it's in education, but you're also, I won't say a pastor. That's not what it is. Like, yeah, or is that? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you are. So I want, and here's what I love. Like everybody, we're not a religious organization. The brotherhood isn't. But what I love is that like, that's you, like that's own. So I think there are so many, like, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I do read, I read the Bible, I have read the Bible and read different pieces of it. And there's so many awesome teachings in there. Sure. Um, not that I'm a the, that religious person, but I think there's a lot of great things. So I do want to hear some from you from that perspective for our listeners who are more religious, who are more uh, believe more about that, because uh, our listeners are from all games. We you know from from agnostic and and spiritual to religious and stuff like that. So they're all realms because look, it, it you own it. If that's what you believe. That's what we that's what we believe about people. Whatever it is that you believe in, you know, you think pigs, you know, pink flying pigs or whatever it is that cool, whatever, just own this shit. And like, um, but what's some of your back, like, what are some of your thoughts or, or teachings that you teach right. um, from your background about 
the social aspects of, uh, I think a big one is communication. Um, because that's, I think, the, a lot of the problems that we're, we have and we just talked about, it's a communication problem. Because when we talk about some of these in the brotherhood, we actually, like people who we believe are on different sides, we actually are want the same thing. <laughs> like when you talk about like guns and stuff like that, no, we don't like gun violence. No. But we have two different approaches. We don't like gun violence. We all want the same thing. We don't want gun violence anymore. So, but talk about from your background and, and kind of share that because I do want the listeners and I want you to be able to express yourself in, in, sure. in that true self of, of that communication. How can we be better socially communicating in, in your terms, what would you say? I don't, for, for, so for me, and again, for the listeners that are out there, you know, this is where I'm at. Um, uh, I, as a pastor, you know, I didn't always walk the, 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 the talk. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad's a pastor as well. And I was never going to be a pastor. I was never going to be a teacher, never going to be a pastor. And look what happened. I became both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never say never, but uh, I don't think there was a better communicator in all of human history than Jesus Christ himself nor was there a better, more authentic man than him. Uh, he, he communicated well. He lived to die for others. He didn't live for himself. Nothing that he did was selfish or self-motivated. I'm, I'm enthralled by his story. He faced danger all the time. Many people wanted to put him to death. And I look at that and I think, who does that stuff? But he did it and, and he did it out of love. He had a genuine love for all of mankind. And so I, I admire, not do I just serve him, but I admire his story and what he did. So whether you're a believer or not a believer, a Christian or not a Christian, mm -hmm. or whether um, you have to at least admire the fact that here's a guy who who there was no deceit, no guile in his heart whatsoever, and all he ever wanted to do was love people and lay his life down for them, and that's what a real man does. Yeah. It's not that yeah. I'm willing to take a bullet for my wife; it's that I'm I'm willing to actually get off my butt and go get her a glass yeah. of water. Yeah, that's where death to self starts. So I've gone through a process of dying to my own self nature. And so there's a verse in scripture for those that do read the Bible, Philippians 2, 3. It's a relational verse that I think if every person in the world would would uh, memorize this verse and I'll give it to you kind of in a broken down two or three versions way. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit or self glory, but in all things, consider others of higher value or greater importance than yourself. Mm. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. If what if married couples did that, mm -hmm. there would be no such thing as divorce. Mm -hmm. What if you did that with the person that you work right next to? What if we did this in all of our relationships? We consider others greater and of higher value than us. It, we would truly see selflessness instead of selfishness. So, and we're all selfish. Let's just admit it. We're all selfish Absolutely. to different degrees. But I've been all about trying to allow the self-man in me to, to die so that I can live for others. And I follow the model of the greatest example in front of me. So that's what pushes me and drives me. And I'm not there yet, but I, I aspire to die more. I don't try harder. I die harder. That's the way I go. It's the way I roll. That's my model. That's what I try to do. I try to die to myself more and more each day. And so that's what a real man will do. And we're going to we're gonna win. We're going to lose. And let me say I believe losing and was is one of the greatest yeah. shapers of manhood. Uh, yeah. When it, I, because it teach you learn more from your losses than you do your success. Losses teach you a lot. You don't want to repeat the loss. You don't want to repeat the mistake. So you're bound and determined. I'm going to do better this time around. Yep. And how many things in our lives have we all failed at? Jobs, relationships, um, all these kind. 
I'm going to do better. I aspire to do better. So as far as communicating goes, like I said, Jesus was a great communicator as well. And he communicated these truths to us. And so I try to live by those. And when it comes to unity and team, because I love team bonding, team unity, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's three E's that we always try to deal with when we're in a team atmosphere, whether it's just people working together in a team, in a, in a, in a company, a corporation, or as we work in eldership teams here in our church, whatever. There are three E's that we all have to, to, to die, uh, allow to die in our lives. Number one is egos. Everybody's got them. Everybody's got egos. You got to kill egos. You got to kill elephants. And you got to kill expectations. Egos, expectations. There's always elephants in the room, and we don't want to deal with the elephants in the room. And I'm just telling you, if there's an elephant in the room, I'm an elephant hunter. I want to <laughs> now and get on with the rest of the yes, story. Yes, yes, yes. Environment that is heavy, saturated with this elephant that's in the room that everybody knows about, but nobody's going to talk about. Correct. Bull crap. I'm talking about the elephant. <laughs> he goes. He definitely is going <laughs> to. Yeah. That's great. It needs to. Hey, you, you come into my, I do that in education because we all know the elephant, and it's, but nobody wants to make any decision and nobody wants to make decisions that are different. And, and I think one of the things is because they fight so hard to say, I made this decision. Therefore I'm going to fight so hard to try to prove that it's working. And 98% of the people are like, it's not, it's like going down a one race street and everybody in the car is like, you're going the wrong way. You're like, nah, right. and the cars are coming at you. And you're like, what? <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then again, the egos is the self-motivated stuff that we all carry with us. But when you die to self, the egos die very easily. Mm -hmm. And so it's not hard for me. I'm a very uh, high D, D dominant personality kind of guy. Um, and so I know that pride and arrogance is something that is natural in me. I can be a very arrogant jerk. Okay? I can be, um, but it's not something that I exhibit a lot of. Thanks, John. <laughs> I didn't even say, say nothing that time. Just shaking his head. But uh, anyways, but so, see but, it rolling in there though. <laughs> but I've learned to die to that. And then the last thing, expectations. The yes. three, we we all have expectations. And we assume other people are just going to accept our expectations. No, yep. you got to come. You got to communicate those expectations. As a coach, I, I communicate. I expect when, when you walk off the wrestling mat, I'm probably going to coach you, tell you what you did wrong, mm -hmm. tell you what you did right, tell you what you need to work on, tell you to keep your attitude in check. And if you come off with an ego and you're flexing all that kind of stuff, I'm the first person that's going to knock you out. All right. Yep. You come off that mat and you walk away from me. I'm going to chase you into that locker room and I'm going to rip you three ways a Sunday. It's yes. going to on. And you're not going to be on that mat again, all right? You're not, because you're representing not just yourself, but your family, your school, this coaching staff. And so, again, I make sure my expectations are out there and well-stated so that everybody knows where I'm coming from in every situation. I think it's very important. That's one that we really lack a lot of times, too. I agree. And and we talk about in the brotherhood is get rid of the expectation, because as men, our expectation of ourselves is way more than what reality actually is. Totally. <laughs> and we're like, Hey, you know, I can do this. And we expect it. And then that puts time frames. It puts pressure. It puts all this stuff on that. Like, dude, like you can't literally like, Hey, you know, I want to go start this business and be like, I'm going to make a million dollars in two days. Like, no, like, can you make a million dollars? Absolutely. hundred percent. Is it going to be what that expectation? And one of the things that we always talk about is, is there a difference between expectation and requirements? Yeah. And to me, what I heard there with you is you set those requirements. And that's kind of what we did for our, our baseball team, too, is like, listen, this is our requirements. This is not this is what happens. Like, just like a hat. You got a hat and baseball pants on when you walk on our field. If don't the one kid 
uh, the one year he didn't, he's like, coach, I don't got my hat. And I'm like, well, you better figure it out real quick or don't come on my field. <laughs> and he's like, um, practice starts in, cause we started practice at three, three o'clock. He's like, I got five minutes, my house. I literally can, I'm like, don't get in a wreck, but if you can get there and get back, but if you get here at three Oh five and we started, don't come on my field. And he's like, got it. Pew, pew. He made it back just in, in time. He's running <laughs> on the field to get that. But those are those expectations. True. Uh, and those expectations for how do we handle ourselves as men? You know, yeah. when a, you got an umpire who you don't like their calls. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter because he's the one making the call. So right. you can get pissed off if you want. You're just going to like, that's not good for you. That's not helping you control the situation or be successful in that. And, and those, those are some of the, I totally love that. Here's what I also want to say too, is Jason is I love that you're speaking from the heart and I love that you're talking about from your viewpoint, your perspective of life, especially adding into um, talking about Jesus, talking about the Bible, talking about those things that you believe in. It's important for us uh, as men to recognize and be grateful for other people's thoughts and beliefs. And that's, I love that we're sharing that. And I do agree with you. Like I, again, religious, I'm not, but man, the way you told that story about Jesus and, and, and that I thought that myself, you know, and there's others that like the, the book of Solomon, like, I love that. There's so many amazing teachings in there. I'm like, I read that and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Uh, even like, um, like the first days, I forget even what that's called. Um, Anyways, but that um, another one is, see, I don't even know. But another one that I love is is David, like the story of King David. Absolutely. And what he did, like, ah, uh, like, uh, what's he say, you know, and it, it, like he's, he literally told a giant, I'm going to cut your head off and he had a freaking slingshot. Like your body to the dogs. Yeah, like, yeah right, right. You, you had a slingshot. You said you were going to cut his head off. What the hell are you going to cut his head off with? <laughs> like, and it's just crazy. But the amount of belief. So to me, what does that show? It's the amount of belief he had in himself and something that was more to me, something that was more in the universe than himself, Absolutely. something that was bigger for than him for and sure. pe people buying that. And that to me, there are so many great lessons. I'm glad that you shared those and I appreciate those. Um, and, and that's what I want to share too with the brotherhood that, that, that piece, John. And, you know, as Jason was talking, you know, um, a couple of books that I have uh, have read and listened to that I thought were amazing and would definitely uh, fit well into this is uh, one is The Genius of Jesus uh, by Erwin McManus, which was super awesome. Um, you know, kind of talking about how when you think of geniuses, like Jesus isn't the first one that would ever come to your mind. You would think Einstein or Edison or, you know, all these other people. But then when you actually think about it and you break down the way Jesus and the things it did, he's like, it actually like a lot of the uh, atheists or whatever, he would be like, if you either have to believe in the genius of Jesus and, and his teachings, or you have to believe in the divinity. You know what I mean? So either way, you like, it's there. You, I mean, it's one or the other. You, you have to kind of fall into there and it was like wow that's kind of awesome um and then a book that my good friend jason told me to read probably at least 15 years ago i and finally got it, it done I yeah. finally, <laughs> uh, last week last week uh, nice hey you got it done man you got it done celebrate like it that's your one for the week lead like jesus by uh ken blanchard uh mm -hmm. who actually also did the one minute manager and uh yeah. 
It's you know, awesome. a couple of those other books, but lead like Jesus, man, that was freaking phenomenal. That was definitely amazing. And, and I appreciate you greatly for that suggestion, Jason. And, uh, I finally got there. I, I, I probably, I wasn't ready for it before. Well, I have a good idea, John. Yes. And, uh, and you know, and again, I also have to say, I still am always super grateful to the day that he dunked me in Eastview Pond and, and saved me. And, and, you know what I mean? Like that will always awesome. be, you know, the greatest moment of my life for sure. So awesome. I super appreciate you for that. That's awesome. You know, so, dude. and, and yeah, I mean, like I said, there's, I knew that this was going to be a great time for him to come in and shine. You know what I mean? Jason is always a phenomenal speaker, phenomenal at church. I mean, he's like Joel Osteen, just ain't got the hair. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> Who needs hair anyways? It's <laughs> overrated. <laughs> but it's too no, hot in the summer. Yeah, for sure. But uh, no, I knew he would definitely come in here and, and definitely share a lot of greatness with our listeners. And I super appreciate you for that, buddy. Your thing, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's say, Jason, what would your top three tools that you would give somebody to be socially aware? And again, we talked about a bunch of different ways and I love it where it went to here today because all of them have to do with those social aspects that we go. Right. Um, so what would you say kind of are those like top three tools that we can kind of take in our tool belt for somebody to be, become more socially aware and take ownership of that? Yeah. So I'm um, obviously you got to look outside of yourself. Um, and it goes back to that thing you guys talked about already about self-awareness. You, you gotta, you gotta see others instead of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, marriage is all about that. It's about, I put my wife and I put my kids before money. I don't buy me new shoes. If my kids need shoes first, yeah. I just suffer with the old. That's just part of laying down your life. And I know that there was a lot of people didn't grow up that way. You know, dad got whatever dad wanted or that kind of thing. But I, I just believe that what a man does is he lays down his life for his wife or his children. I love the picture at an altar and a wedding that a man stands there first. You're at an altar, mm. at an altar. An altar is a place of death. Mm. Every wedding has a ceremony with an altar in the front and the man is there first. And the picture is this. I'm here to lay my life on this altar and lead in this. I'm going to oh. down for you. And the woman comes down the aisle and she meets him there and she chooses to follow his lead and lay her life on that altar. And they're making a covenant to do that and be one for the rest of their lives. And it's in every That's wedding. We miss it. That's beautiful. Right. And so we got never heard that before, dude, man. Like, woo. Like, I love it. Like, literally. And, and, and literally, this is, this is the coolest thing is because like, and, and sorry to interrupt you, but like, I am always so extreme because of the relationships I've had in the past and what I've been through the hurt that I have gone through when it comes to love. Because love is one of those things that's freaking awesome, but it also yeah. can rip your guts out. <laughs> like yep. It's like fire. It's awesome and beautiful, but it'll destroy everything. Same thing with water. Yes. And to, as you're talking there and the, the vows and things that I made with my wife and she made to me, uh, I just got this really cool, overwhelming gratitude just for her, for our family, for what we are, what we have created. So I just needed to say that because I got a little teary-eyed right now. Awesome. Like, thanks so thank you for that i appreciate that absolutely and, that, <laughs> and that's putting others first the verse that i gave you philippians 2 3 i, I encourage every premarital counseling session i encourage them to stick that on their mirror in their bathroom memorize it and then live it it's one thing to memorize it's another thing to walk it out it's a challenge to walk things out um i guess number two would be be intentional and in all that you do see others but be intentional your awareness part of that awareness obviously you got to you know, some things we, we're going to talk about setting the boundaries, 
letting go of offenses. I, um, John Bevere wrote a book, The Bait of Satan, and it talks all about offenses and how it actually, it doesn't hurt them, it hurts you. Yeah. You can't be free. I can have all these tools and all these keys to help other people get free in their lives. And as a pastor, that's what I endeavor to do to help other people get set free. But if I'm locked in my own cell, holding all their keys, I can't help anybody. Nope. I got to be able to see that. I got to put the oxygen mask on, you know, from the airplane first. It sounds self-centered to do that, but you can't help anybody if you can't breathe yourself. Nope. Nope. So I got to see that I correction starts with me and I got to be intentional and I got to, read the books and do the right stuff and, and follow the best examples that I can. I surround myself with people. I'm intentional to surround myself with people that are going to yep. lift me up, not tear me down. Yep. High school kids get this wrong all the time. Yeah. Don't hang out with those knuckleheads doing the stupid <laughs> stuff. And we all been there. We've all uh, been. Yeah, we we, I've left. been that knucklehead a couple of times too. <laughs> How do you think we got connected? For God? <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, um, for men, when do boys become men? Let me tell you something. It's not at 18 years old. That's a joke. I told my son just this year, he turned 18. My second oldest son, I said, you know, you just turned 18. You might be legally uh, able to go to jail and stuff. That's just a responsibility issue. I said, it just doesn't make you a man. Nope. What makes you a man is how you honor and respect your parents, other people, your girlfriend, um, how you treat women. You're a gentleman. I taught my sons to hold doors for, for women when they were toddlers. Go hold that door. Walk on the outside on, on the sidewalk. Don't let the girl walk on the outside. They're just things that I, to be mindful, to be men. Yep. To, when someone's carrying groceries, you run it and they jump up and they help grandma carrying groceries. They help my wife to be helpful, to be on the spot. And so there were four just, and I just got to tell you these things, because this is the, the it kind of sums this last yeah. one. Up. Um, there's a book by Robert Lewis. It's a focus on the family book and it's called Raising a Modern Day Night. And I took four things that he put in that book, and I've, I've taught my sons, this, and I started at age eight. I started doing rites of passage when my sons were eight. Yeah, and at so age, I did. Did good. So awesome. And 13, at age 16, and I had all these age-appropriate things, and then also graduating and yeah. different things I celebrated in their lives. And had different goals for that, you know, overcoming fear and how to, how to treat a, a woman and all these so, and I had, you know, an engraved buck knife made at age eight and it was their first sword, you know, and, and I taught him the four things that he says in that book, a, a real man, the definition of man is one who rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously and expects greater rewards, God's rewards to, re to reject passivity is you, you don't see somebody struggling and just let it go. You reject that feeling, that urge to just sit there and do nothing. You reject that right away and you get up and you do something about it. Yeah. And men aren't doing that enough today. No. We need to reject past. We need to accept our responsibility as a man, as a father. If you've got kids, you have a responsibility. You got a wife, you take care of them. You take care of stuff. That's what you do. You provide, you protect, you do those things. You accept your responsibilities. And if you make a mistake, you accept that responsibility. That's what you do. You own up to it. You be a man about it, right? Yeah. You lead courageously. Men are made to lead period i make no apologies it's all over the bible men are meant to lead and i i'm not saying that women can't i'm just saying when when the when men are properly leading it brings a uh, an order to where there was chaos yep. and then expect to be rewarded for it i know there's a crown of glory that's laid up for me and i get that and i expect that one day i don't need it now but my reward will also be when my three sons 
do what I did. I told him, when I take you these rite of passage, my grandsons better be doing this stuff. You better be doing this or else. All right. This old man, this old fart's going to take you down. <laughs> still- so that's that, to become a man, to be a definition of a man. And that, and my, my sons had that memorized at age eight. Yeah. Well, they rattle that off right now. What's the definition of a man? They'll rattle those four things off. Nice. And they live it. And I make sure they live it. And I go back to it all. And when they yeah. fail, I go back to it all the yeah. time. And that's freaking phenomenal. And, and, and they do. And I know them. They're phenomenal kids. You know what I mean? And uh, now, just a little add-on to that, Jason, just because I know that you're going to give a super cool perspective on this and some great knowledge. What is a tool that you could tell fathers that they can tell their kids to take into to their society, into their either to in regards to their own beliefs or even in their their beliefs towards god and christianity and and living that route i mean i'm sure your kids have had went through those things as being you know the preacher's kids and you being the preacher's kids i mean not that we ever teased you that much (laughs) (laughs) uh you know um one of the first things that I think kids, especially at the young age, they need to learn this. And this is just the, some of the best parenting advice I can give is give them the gift of no. Mm-hmm. Kids are not told no enough. I believe the power of being told no. And uh, my dad taught me this when I, he, he told me this when I was an adult and I wish I would have known this as a kid. He said, <laughs> and the answer is going to keep being a no until you can handle a yes or no, like you can handle a yes. Uh, yeah. Kids say, can I go to Billy's house? And you say, yes. It's over. When you say no, they say, why not? I don't know you a why not. I said no. And I don't do it to be mean. It's just simply this. I see kids, our parents never telling their kids no, never putting on boundaries, handing them a a, a tablet to keep them busy and out of their own hair. I think that's just bad. I think it's bad parenting. I see it in in the grocery store. I see it in Walmart. I see it everywhere I go. Kids, parents not telling their kids no. My kids learned the, the word no right, <laughs> right away. And I didn't do it to be mean. I did it to show them that they're not in charge. Yeah. Today, Correct. Yeah. Boom, you just said it there. They're not. Just said it, yeah. And I, I told my students that today. And my kids knew it from real early. They're like, hey, nope, ain't having it. I still remember, I told them today the this, this story about Callie. Callie asked me for one of those American Girl dolls. And I'm like, <laughs> no, ain't having it. And it's like, you know, and she's like, why not? And I'm like, because it's way too expensive. I ain't paying for it. Like, I'll go to Walmart and get you a $10 baby doll, but I ain't buying you a $400 baby doll. It looks the same as a $10 one. I'm like, so just like, you know, and then also too, I think saying no gives them the responsibility of being able to say, hey, if that's something that you want, then you can go find some way to earn that yourself. Right. You know, and it gets so we give our kids that opportunity, like, hey, what an iPhone, cool. Like we've got you a phone that works, it texts and calls us. That's all we need. You right. want that, you gotta go pay for it. So right. our too. kids have done that, you know. And it's like I love the word no. It's easy. It's easier than yes. It's only they, two letters. They learn know? as a father, they'll 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 walk through, right. and they understand too. Again, when you can handle a no as good as you handle a yes, yeah. then things will be better for you. And when I tell my kids, no, it's, it's not, it's not a fight. It's like it used to, I mean, it, for other people, it's not, a, it's, right. they understand. I'm looking at, so when my daughter says in seventh grade, Hey dad, every girl on the volleyball team has social media, they have Snapchat and they want me to be on Snapchat. I said, honey, you know, I'm not gonna let you do that. Yeah. Snapchat's one of the top 10 worst, you know, pedophile kind of, uh, of things that kids can have. You're not doing Snapchat. 
And she told the girls, my dad's never gonna let me have that. And I don't want it. She's 16. She has zero social media presence. You know what she has? Zero drama. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All the other girls have all this drama. And stuff. You know what? She doesn't want it. Nope. She doesn't live without it. And she's better for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Love it. Love it. So there's a great tool for for parents. Say no. Don't again. And I think it comes back to two is like the parent either like, Oh, I feel bad. Or, or like, you know, that no, no, like, I don't want my kid to feel upset. You know, I don't want my kid to feel pain. Like, no, no kidding. I don't want my kids to feel upset, pain, sad, any of that stuff. But you know what? I have to be strong enough to let them flop on their face absolutely, and get up without any of my help. Because if I don't, I'm literally taking all of their power and their ownership away. When I take power and ownership away from somebody else, that is selfish on my part because I'm the one who feels they need to be able to go through struggles. I just see so many times that we got kids that go through school. It's the first time that they've struggled when I say, no, I ain't like, how do you do this? What, you're not going to tell me? No, I'm not going to like, you got to use your own brain. Like, you know, and it's like, you have to allow your kids to be able to do that and stop taking away their ownership. That's the math. Um, it's a problem solving thing that we got. Right. Exactly. Problem solving. Right. How are you going to solve it? Not me. That's right. Like, and that's what I always say. So awesome, man. I love it. I know times later, like we, we, we're, we're, I don't know what time I still haven't figured this time thing out on this thing. <laughs> I keep telling John, I got to figure this out. I don't, but so uh, anyways, we are going, so we've got the top three. We're going to go do a quick hit with you, Jason here real quick. Um, you got five seconds to answer each question. Now, most good. Some questions do pass five seconds, but it's okay. Um, John will probably give you shit for it if you go past five seconds. He's got a timer. <laughs> John, you want to go first? Or you want me to go sure, first? Sure, I got week? you. I got All right, you. Here we go. let it rip. Here we go. Favorite animal? Uh, lion. Work or play? Play. What's your favorite word? No. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's so good. So good. Top book recommendation for our listeners. I just said it, re, um, raising a modern day night for, for raising boys. Nice. Who's your hero? Ooh, Jesus. Nice. What is your deepest fear? Being buried alive. Oh, that's a bad that one. Would, that would suck. That would really suck. super suck. Really <laughs> super. bad. If you could go back in time to change any part of your life, would you? I would not. What do you wish you learned sooner? How to be a man. Ah, love it. Do you prefer the soft cloud version or the sword version of the truth? The sword. Hit me. Oh, always. All right. Last one. What is your biggest strength? Uh, my faith. Nice. Awesome. Those are the 10. That was it. That was pretty good. Yeah. You I passed. <laughs> John gave you a pass. It was a pass or fail. Right. Awesome. So, guys, listen. Jason, thank you, thank you so much, and and I and I love having you here. The conversations that we have, I love that it's real. I love that you brought that faith piece to the conversation because that's who you are, and I want all walks of life to understand, and especially as men, that we're all here together in this thing, right? You know, and whatever it is that you believe, we're here to support you. We're here to support everybody else, um, and just own it. That's what we were about. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing about humanity is that everybody's different and we need to celebrate that individuality instead of saying, Hey, you got to fit in this mold. So listeners, 
We always ask you to do four things. Number one, download this episode for future use. Number two, subscribe to the podcast. Go down to the bottom, rate and review us. When you do that, it spreads out to more people and helps us and actually helps you. Uh, share the episode with one other man that you know is listening to this and you're like, dude, I know he would love this. Share that with them. And again, the Purpose Infused Brotherhood, come with us. This is the group of men that are going to have your back, that are going to have support that you can come to to hold the line, get that fire back in your belly, and go out and be excited about life every single day. Jason, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Brother, I appreciate you, pal. No problem, man. Appreciate you too, bro. Awesome, listeners. We'll see you next week.